Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is September the 16th, 2022. I have a real honor today. We're talking to a legendary figure, uh, Kate Beaton. She's the author, um, uh, a graphic artist, the author of Harker Vagrant, which um, was a, a New York Times best-selling book and column. She's very famous, much more famous than most of the people we get on the show. So it's a real thrill to have her on. Um, but her new work, I'm not sure if it's disappointing people, but it's rather bracing. Uh, she has a new book out called Ducks. And one review, which loved the book, nonetheless, said that um, in Ducks, uh, a vagrant goes bleak and desolate. She doesn't seem very bleak and desolate to me, certainly uh, from her hotel room in uh, Aurelia, or Ontario. Uh, Kate, welcome. Thank you so much for, for coming on Keenon. Um, tell me a little bit about this, this, this new book, uh, Ducks, what you're trying to do and why some people see it as a very different kind of enterprise from your classic work. Yeah, sure. First of all, I love it when people introduce my book with, I'm not sure if it's disappointing people, but. <laughs> um, well, I think, Kate, um, <laughs> if you're not disappointing some of your fans, you're not doing a good job as a, as a famous writer, really, are you? You just don't oh. want to give them what they want. <laughs> Well, um, Ducks is is uh, on the surface. It is about the two years that I spent working in the oil sands of Fort McMurray, and I was paying off my student loan, and uh, and that that is where I was in two thousand between two thousand five and two thousand eight, doing that. But uh, but the book is really about all of the things that I have uh, carried with me since since that time, thinking about um, the place where I lived and the people that I worked with and um, the issues around everyone's lives, uh, because I am from the east coast of Canada, where uh, we export a lot of labor to places like that. And um, and so everything that went on felt uh, more personal than it had at any other job. And uh, and the the effects were far-reaching in my community and in my life. So I I made this book because it was on my mind. Tell me the story, Kate, a little bit more about what led you to the oil fields, uh, why you went, and what the experience was like. Um, sure. Uh, I. Uh, in 2005, when I graduated from university, I had a student loan. I, I took out the maximum student loans of federal and provincial here in Canada to um, to get my education, which was a, a Bachelor of the Arts. It was a very fancy, but it did cost a lot. And uh, and graduating with that and wanting to make a career for myself in the arts and understanding that loan payments were going to be a, a difficulty and uh, and we're only going to accrue interest over time so that I would possibly even pay my loan twice over. Um, I knew that I needed to pay it off 
as quickly as I could. And everybody from where I'm from was going to the oil fields to work. And when I say that, it wasn't an impulsive thing. Uh, uh, Cape Breton, the island where I'm from in Nova Scotia, has been uh, on an economic decline for many years. And so we are used to uh, exporting labor to wherever uh, the engines of capitalism are running strong. And, uh, and that in different times has been um, to, to New England states, to, uh, to the auto sector of Ontario in the 60s, 70s, to different mine sites that were booming like Sudbury Ontario, but when I was coming of age, it was the oil sands. And it wasn't a question of going because it was simply what people did. If that is where you were in life when you had nothing, the place for the chance for a better life, for security, for something more, was was to go there and get a job. And uh, without even knowing much about the industry at all, or even what I what job I was applying for, I, I went, I left, I, like everyone else did. Do you regret going? I'm sorry? Do you regret going? No, no, I can't regret going because uh, it altered my life in a, in a certain way. I did pay off my student debt. I was able to start a career in comics because I had no... Uh, financial uh, uh, debts and, and weights weighing me down. Otherwise, I think I would have been um, either unable to because of money or because of, uh, of uh, fear, you know, like economic uh, uncertainty. And, uh, and with the money that I made and that I saved, I, I started making comics for a living in 2008, and I've been doing it ever since. And so everything in my life has come from uh, that choice, the good and the bad. And, uh, and I can't regret it because it's been my life. How bleak was the experience? I mean, it's, it's of course, it's in the book itself, but <laughs> how would you articulate it outside the well, graphic that's, art? That's one headline and I, I have to say that headline is a bit sensational because there is bleakness in the comic for sure goes bleak and desolate yeah that <laughs> well i don't actually think it's a it paints a, picture. a bad criticism i mean desolate aren't artists aren't artists supposed to be desolate isn't that meaningful well i guess if you uh if you read Allan poe <laughs> i <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dostoevsky, right? Yeah, right on. Um, but I, uh, uh, it's it's about much more than that for me. It's about uh, it's about the gray areas because people who have opinions about the oil industry do like it to be one or the other. They 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 often, not to generalize, like it to be either all good or all bad, and. Uh, and ducks is, is sort of an exploration of, of the gray area of actually living there, which encompasses both things. As in, I did have 
loneliness and isolation and harassment and things that, that go hand in hand with living in work camps, uh, isolated from society. Um, there are lots of negative things in there, but there were also parts of the book where I met with community and kindness and, uh, and things that I needed to get by. And, uh, and I do find that reviewers and, 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 uh, uh, newspaper headlines and, and things like that, and, and even interviewers will uh, will really hone in on the negative things without um, without uh, uh, interrogating how, how complicated it actually was. Kate, we've done a number of shows recently with people of about your age who have written memoirs. I guess in a sense, do you think of this as a memoir, a graphic artistic oh, yeah. memoir? Yeah. What 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 is different about writing a memoir versus representing it in 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 the artistic form that you've done in ducks? In comics, you mean? Yeah. Well, uh, people are, like to. Uh, I'm almost generalizing here. I'm like people are always saying this. That I don't mean that. Yeah, and I'm comics, using the c word, comics. I apologize. It's uh, it's a simple. No, comics. Is, comics is what it is. And uh, but when you make comics. Uh, you, you often see the question, you know, writing versus art, that kind of thing. But uh, I think people who make comics, uh, they usually think of the both things together. I, I couldn't have written a narrative about my time there because that's not how I operate as an artist. I, I mean, I, I can write prose, but I, when I think of telling a story, the words and the pictures it coexist. So I wrote it all out as a script, but every time I was writing a line, you know, um, I'm picturing the panels that I'm drawing. I, I, it's, it's a thing that happens in tandem. And, and that is the, the natural exercise for a cartoonist. It was, uh, that is how, that's how our, our brains work. So, um, so it was, it was uh, no question to do it that way. And you, you said that you think some of the reviewers have been a little unfair in oversimpli oversimplifying the, the, the darkness. What, what was your goal then? Where, where is the complexity that some of the reviewers have missed, do you think? Well, let me say that uh, I don't blame them for going that way because I think that uh, this is a book about a, a world and a place that not a lot of people have thought about or have experienced if, if it's not in your life. So when you read a book like that and it's the first time that you're confronting um, what, uh, what issues come with living there or being there or working there uh and you think this is on you know a big scale and it's something that i haven't thought about the thing that you carry the most with you afterwards are the things that bothered you and i and i see that reflected in in these articles and things where where that's what they uh hew into but if you have lived there for as long as i did or as long as people do you see it for the, the complex place where it is. So, um, so what do people miss? Um, well, uh, the uh, there is a lot of uh, sexual harassment in the book because it is from the perspective of a twenty-one-year-old uh, woman, myself, who went there alone and was very alone in a place that was overwhelmingly male. 
And, uh, and so you, you see a lot of that in the book. And then the takeaway from some people is that, that, uh, you know, oh, men, men go out there and they're terrible. But in the book, there are many men who are my friends or who look out for me. And it's not that easy to just classify everybody as, as uh, you know, uh, toxic. Um, because that's not, how, that's not how humanity works. We don't, we don't operate in, uh, in, you know, all or nothings. Uh, and um, uh, it doesn't take that many, you know, if there are a hundred people in a room and seven of them are really bothering you, that's all you need to make your day miserable, right? And, or only one, actually. It doesn't even have to be yeah, seven. Yes, yeah, seven hundred seven. I was going to pick out like numbers here, but like you know, uh, you do see people in like in my face all through the book because because they're coming up to you and they're saying things that are crude and everything. That was my life, but I'm not drawing the the other people in the background who are just doing their job and not even barely noticing either. Uh, it. Uh, it makes me wish that there were more books from the perspective of workers in the oil sands to give people a fuller picture of, of life there. And it doesn't excuse either the things that people said to me or to other women or to other, you know, um, marginalized uh, groups there or, or any of the negative things. It just means that there's a bigger, there's a bigger picture here. And uh, and I really wanted to capture as much of the the real life complexity as there was in the place in the book. Okay, one of the things that seems to come out in my conversations with people writing their memoirs is they learn about their lives through the process of writing the book, stuff that they hadn't thought about or thought through before the process. What did you learn about this period in your life from ducks from from the project of ducks what didn't you know uh before writing that you know now i guess that's a good question um i was very naive about a lot of things about the about the world about culture about uh um about how how things work in the in the real world because i i left university and went straight there. And in university, you're sort of living in this sort of like utopian cloud almost of, of like a, a segregated life from society in a different way. And then you go uh, to the world where, where you get a real kick in the earth <laughs> about how real it is. Right. <laughs> working in, working in, a, in a work camp, in a, in a mine, you're confronted with, um, people's uh people's real lives and their problems and things and i i think that i i learned about myself as i made it because i was drawing other people's lives who at the time were much older than me i was 21 or 22 and they were i worked with a lot of people who were in their 40s or 50s and had been raising a family and uh and and whose lives um were much more complicated than mine because I, I nobody depended on me. I was very, you know, sort of like a freewheeling person 
um, in that sense, the way that the young people are. And as I grow older, and uh, and I, now I'm married and I have children, and I have more responsibilities in that way, I'm looking at myself through drawing out these stories and thinking more about their circumstances. And um, I thought I knew them at the time. You know, I thought that I understood them, but I was just a kid. I, I didn't. And I, I feel like I gained a better understanding of them drawing them, to, you know, 15 or, or however many years later. And, and of myself in, in that position. As, as somebody who has more responsibilities and, um, and, and is relating to them in a different way. Okay, what about the, the arc of your, your, your creative history? Um, you, 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 did, you had this experience and then you came back and then you've become famous for Hark. Do you think you could have had Hark a vagrant without the experience? in the oil fields? No. No, I, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have been brave enough to try and do it for a living. I really don't think so. I, I would have felt the pressure of, uh, of loan payments and things like that and to get a job that felt secure and, uh, and, and more, um, traditional, I suppose. So without, without working there, I, I wouldn't have done that. And I, I, you know, everything in your life is a, is, you know, the way that it is. I worked in the oil sands and then I went to a, um, I worked in a museum one year in between those two years in Victoria, BC. And that is where I met somebody who got me on track to making a website and putting my comics online. If I hadn't gone to the OSNs and then had to leave them uh, to get this other job in Victoria, I would never have met that person. I really, I can't say, I can't say, but I was ready to give up on doing comics and stuff. It doesn't seem like a job. I was gonna, I was gonna maybe take an MFA, I was a MFA, no, an, just a master. Yeah, MFA, a master of fine arts, right? No, I'm not a fine artist. I don't know why I said MFA. I just mean a master. It's just a regular master. So oh, I was actually going to go into. Uh, I was going to apply to the labor history program at Memorial University in Newfoundland, and, and that make that my my master's, and then probably um, it was between that and and uh, going into museum studies. Those were the two things that I was thinking about. And, uh, and, and then comics presented itself as a, an alternative career, which seemed very improbable um, only a year before. And, and I, I had the creative courage to try it out and I'm still doing it. So you didn't do any creative work while you were there. I've got this romantic notion of you doing this hard labor exploitative and in some ways demeaning, troubling, and then going back and working on your craft. That didn't happen. Oh, it did. Uh, I was there for two years, remember? And in the first year that I was there, I was in, uh, I was in uh, a workplace for most of the time that was very demoralizing. And, um, and it had no internet, really. 
except for a very weak signal in the middle of the rec hall. Um, so so I, I had very little connection to the outside world, and I, I really lost my sense of self during that time. Kind of I like prison, it sounds like, in a way. Yeah, yeah it, it often gets... Uh, it often gets compared to prison before people, this is also just before people, everybody had cell phones. They were still, they still had like the pay phones on the wall in that, in that camp. Cause this is 2005, 2006. So a lot of these old guys coming in, they didn't have cell phones. And so there'd be lineups for the cell phone and, and we had to share the showers. Uh, there'd be a lineup for a shower outside. Uh, and your, your dorm room would be a bed and, uh, and a table and, uh, and there was a little TV in there. Um, and I forget if it even worked, but um, uh, it, it was it was very secluded and, and, and apart from things. And, and there wasn't a lot of recreation and everything. It's, not all these camps are the same. Not all these work camps are the same. Some of them have better amenities. Some of them are, are take like bigger uh, pains to uh, to recognize that human beings live there, and that they live there twenty four hours a day, and uh, and their lives are made up of more than just working and sleeping, because that will drive you nuts. And uh, and so the first camp that I was in was a wasn't a very nice camp, and I didn't draw and I didn't make art. I just uh, like everyone else there um, was having a bad time, but. Uh, in the in the yeah, you are pretty desolate, Kate. It's yeah, listen, there's jokes in there, I swear. Uh, but, but they're desolate jokes. Well, what about the environmental angle? Um, but I, I'm going to finish what I was saying. The uh, sorry, sorry, the second year that I was there, I was in a much nicer camp, uh, Albion Sands, run by Shell, and I guess they had more money or something. I don't know. But they uh, they built a nicer camp that had more amenities and it had like a you know it had a, a small things that made a big difference a more varied menu uh, there you'd be surprised how little it takes to uh, to actually improve people's lives when they're in a when they're in a place like that but um, it uh, it had good internet it had decent rooms um, it didn't feel as much like a prison. And I, I was drawing um, when I, I would go to work and then I would come home, like into my room at night and I would draw comic strips and I would scan them on the work computer um, in the morning, that kind of thing. So, so in, in a sense, uh, yes and no to that image of, of uh, being out there and drawing. Is there a broader political critique in the book, environmental critique, a critique? Yeah. Capitalism, another of the headlines talks about money jail. Is that the economics of companies yeah. like Shell? Yeah, money jail is what uh, they called it in Cape Breton. You know, the, I got to go to money jail and make work and make, make money so I can live, uh, which isn't, it, it's not exactly uh, come hither, is it? You know, like, come on, we're going to have a good time. Nobody went out there thinking they were going to have a good time. It's not, that wasn't even the point. Um, uh, where I'm from, it was just, you're lucky to get a job. It doesn't matter how they treat you. 
it doesn't matter. And as long as it's a, a good job, the good money, then then you're then you're doing good, because uh, because we live in a place that has everything shutting down, and I mean uh, uh, it had uh, in my youth uh, and before, just as I was graduating high school and university, you had uh, a pulp mill, steel, coal, fisheries things like that, all shutting down. It, it really felt like the walls closing in. And, uh, and so these jobs out West, they, they, it, it was just the promise of, of anything at all. Um, so yeah, money jail. And, uh, and the, the environmental critique, it, it's in the book and it comes as, as the character of myself, who is me, um, uh, understands the world around them a bit more. I went there without knowing anything at all, except for like, this is what you have to do and this is where you have to go. And over time you, you take in what is, uh, what's, what is the, well, the facts around you of, of environmental destruction, because uh, you don't know it all coming in and, and how, how would you, there, it was, uh, it was not really a, a thing that was in conversation, the oil sands at that time. Um, but I'll give you an example. Um, the oil companies, they really love to say that their, uh, their impacts are minimal and that whatever they do, they, they will reclaim and, uh, and, and make nature whole again after they, after they are done mining, say, uh, so that, uh, so that it, you know, it's all going to be equaled out in the end. You know, the, the, the extraction doesn't have the, this negative effect because we're all going to sort of put it back when we're done. And, uh, and so Syncrude, a company that I worked for, had uh, a lot of images of buffalo uh, attached to it because they, they made a big deal about reclaiming old mining sites as, as buffalo pasture, buffalo land. And I went to see the buffalo with a coworker, which is a, a part in the book. And he was like, you know, he, he was like, oh, you got to see the buffalo. They're beautiful. It's really cool. They're right here. They're like right up along the site. And they were, they were right up along the site. And it didn't look good. It didn't look natural. They were fenced in uh, with like, a, you know, pipes spewing uh, smoke into the air right next door. And, um, and then you find out later, much later, uh, that there was a, a study done by maybe the University of British Columbia or, or one of the BC universities, I'm not sure, where they, they looked into the environmental assessments that the government did of oil companies over the years, which all seemed very kind of lukewarm, like, oh, it's okay, it's fine, it's not that bad, and found them to be heavily biased in favor of the oil companies, which of course they are, because oil and government are hand in hand, and uh, and it's not a surprise. And that didn't make very big news, it, but I don't think it surprised anybody either that uh, that these environmental impact studies were extremely biased. But on the strength of those impact studies, you can build more mines, right? Um, but uh, but you don't know that going out there as, as a young person. You don't, you don't know all these, how these things work and how they're connected to one another. Um, and, uh, and of course, oil is very political in Canada. Um, 
uh, it's very, very polarizing. And, uh, and that's a, um, that's a, that's a long conversation. Is there a manifesto in the, in this comic, uh, memoir, Kate, are you no. making political statements about the future, about what you should and shouldn't do in terms of mining? No, I don't think so. I think it is up for the reader to take the statement out because what I really wanted to do was represent um, myself and my memories. And like I said, the things that I carried with me that, that were on my mind the most. And if they're on my mind for a reason, it may have to do with politics and, and uh, you know, critiques of capitalism and, and things like that. There's certainly a lot of class commentary in the book. But... Um, but I didn't make it think, you know, the book saying like, this is my, you know, this is my, what's the word, polemic? Uh, <laughs> Manifesto, polemic. So, yeah, uh, you know, anti-capitalism, anti-government, anti-oilson. I, I wanted to make clear, not clear, but I wanted to make visible what is often not visible, which is the lives of the human beings in the oil sands and in the places where I worked. Because oftentimes when you see the oil sands, it's, it'd be images of gigantic trucks and things like that. And no notion of the people inside the trucks, right? Um, so, uh, so the human beings, out there are often left out of the conversation. And I made this book because I was one of them. Right. And the book is rooted in people, not machines or shell or global capitalism. <laughs> Finally, uh, Kate, I, and I appreciate you've been wonderfully honest here and, and, and you're not completely, I acknowledge bleak or desolate. Um, <laughs> not completely. Not completely, but, you know, you have a little bit of bleakness and <laughs> desolation, which isn't a bad thing for a serious artist. Um, what ad advice would you give both now your 21-year-old self, but perhaps more specifically a 21-year-old in Canada or anywhere today facing the same dilemmas you had? They have a big student debt. They need to pay it off. They're not entirely sure what they want to do, they don't have a clear career, uh, and they have the opportunity to do work which is dirty and demeaning, but also relatively well compensated financially. Should they go or should they stay, Kate? Well, that's up to them. But I would say to them that you have more power in your life than you think you do. Because at that age, I didn't know how to say what I wanted from people how to ask for better. I didn't know how to ask to be treated better. I didn't know that I had different options a lot of the time. I, if people told me something, I believed them when it came to work, when it came to valuing myself as a worker. I, I devalued myself as a worker. And that, um, that, I can't say I regret because you're a young person and you don't know any better. But if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have a problem demanding better for myself. But I felt small and powerless at that time. 
and I believed people when they wanted to keep me small and powerless. Kate, what do you think the, the cartoon version of Kate Beaton thinks of the real Kate Beaton? Oh, uh, she, I mean, she probably wishes I was making more jokes right now, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you've been very good. Thank you so much. Well, congratulations on the, uh, the new book. It's not as bleak as some people suggest. Ducks, two years in the oil science. Not even <laughs> as put that on the back. Uh, the first year was bleak, the second year less bleak. Uh, what else have you been reading, Kate, that might cheer all of us up? Oh my God. You know what I picked up in the, in the air, like on the way here, uh, yeah. I picked up, uh, this one MC beaten. <laughs> oh, uh, do you know Hamish Macbeth, the, the police inspector? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, but it, they're not a, re he's not a relative, right? No, no, I don't know. I don't even know what MC stands for, but I have seen this name on books, like in bookstores around. And, and we went to a place, a used bookstore on the way to the airport. And, um, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try out this other beaten. I'm gonna try out their books and see see if they're up to snuff. This this like rival beaten author. And I tell you what, I'm into it, man. I'm all I'm I'm like, who did the murder? I gotta know. Oh, the beatens <laughs> are taking over, Kate. We are. We're taking over all your bookshelves. <laughs> We've uh, but uh, there's there's a lot there's like uh, you know quaint small town murders if that's a thing. Um, I gotta. I now now I'm dying to know myself. I'm only halfway through, but I'm like, oh, I gotta find out. 